Hello, and welcome to the Almost Enlightened podcast. I'm your host, Alex Morin, and I'm going to tell you that I think we're on the precipice of a life-altering discovery that will radically change the way we live and the way we understand the universe. In today's episode, Cooperation for Survival, I'm going to discuss how humanity will evolve and solve many of its deepest challenges. But before I do, I'd like to draw your attention to today's spotlight organization, Families for Children. Families for Children is a nonprofit, non-sectarian organization that exists to fulfill the needs of children and young adults with physical and or mental disabilities. By providing housing, education, special medical care, and vocational training, FFC helps these individuals to reach their full potential and live with dignity in a loving environment. For more information and to find out how you can help, visit www.familiesforchildren.ca. And now, back to our episode. Not too long ago, I wrote an article for a publication called Marketing Edge Magazine. It was entitled, Competition is an Illusion. And although I was primarily focusing my attention on individual efforts for the purpose of personal development, I made a foundational point in my thesis that there is no scarcity of resources and that competition is truly an illusion. This is the topic I'd like to cover today as it pertains to our growth as a civilization, a planet, and the universe. I think that many of you listening today would agree that we are at a critical period in our civilization's evolution. Rapidly changing technology, globalization, media proliferation, and uncontested beliefs, among many other factors, are perhaps the very reason that we are about to take the next giant step in our evolution as a species, I believe. So if you're like me and believe that we're on the precipice of a monumental paradigm shift in consciousness, I'd argue that it's already begun. Then you might be interested in pondering what I have to say today. As painful as it is these days to see such racial divide, such deprivation, such ecological destruction, such unnecessary manipulation around the world, it's my contention that we're exactly where we should be. In this current civilization, at this particular time in which we exist in material form, we are learning. We're learning as we go, and we're learning from previous belief models because enhanced by our ability to overlay what some might view as competing perspectives, we're actually using humankind's experience and what I'll call infinite intelligence to take that next giant step in evolution. But before I elaborate on that next giant step, I'd like to take a quick detour as I explain what I mean by infinite intelligence. I want to do this because it's central in our journey as a civilization, and it's central in setting up exactly how I believe we're about to take that next step in our evolution. When I say the words infinite intelligence, I'm referring to the ability of everyone on the planet to access knowledge from within. As a side note, for years, I was too embarrassed to share what I know about infinite intelligence, and I'd partially lost my ability to draw from it at will. But for those of you that heard episode 14, The Wall, you'll remember that I'm abandoning my fear of criticism and now speaking more of my truth, and incidentally reclaiming my connection with infinite intelligence. So infinite intelligence, according to my very own definition, is the interconnectedness of everything in the universe. And it's really that simple. 
As opposed to the prevailing viewpoint that the universe operates in a random fashion and that it tends towards entropy, the philosophy that everything deteriorates, infinite intelligence posits that the prevailing viewpoint is incomplete. Moreover, infinite intelligence maintains that everything in the universe is connected. And by virtue of that connection, the intelligence of everything that's ever existed in material form or otherwise is accessible to all. Now, I realize that's a pretty big statement because so many of us don't have a formal understanding of infinite intelligence, but I'll provide a couple of examples. For the first example, have you ever noticed how a loud sound or a fast approaching object or even a bright light will cause us to blink or close our eyes? This is an instinctual action known as the corneal reflex. It exists so that our bodies can instinctively protect our eyes from foreign bodies or bright lights. Now, you might even say, wow, that's infinitely intelligent, because I certainly do. And what's unbelievable is that you don't have to tell yourself to shut your eyes. It just happens upon the threat of danger. As humans, though, we tend to dismiss these nearly unbelievable acts by crediting instinct as though instinct is something we have nothing to do with. While it's true that it doesn't require any conscious thought to enact the corneal reflex, our instinctive ability to perform the act is performed by none other than, you got it, ourselves. For the second example, I'd like to deliberately select the story of Sir Isaac Newton, being inspired by a falling apple in creating his theory of universal gravitation. According to William Stukeley's biography, Memoirs of Sir Isaac Newton's Life, Newton recounted to Stukeley the story of being in his family's Woolsthorpe Manor orchard where he saw an apple fall from a tree. That observation caused Newton to question why apples always fall straight down instead of sideways or even upwards. And in that contemplation, he was inspired to begin developing his law of universal gravitation. I'd like to use the apple story as an example of how knowledge presents itself everywhere. Knowledge need not necessarily come from a textbook or an internet article, but it's often the result of divine inspiration. I know for a fact that I've discovered countless things that I was later able to fact check in quotations. But these discoveries essentially came from observation, or what I'll call infinite intelligence. Now, if you're still finding this concept difficult to accept, think about your own realizations for just a moment. Can you remember a time in your life when you knew something so profoundly that you knew it to be truth, even though the knowledge didn't come from a traditional source? Have you ever used your instinct to make a decision? Have you ever wondered how on earth you accomplished something monumental? Is it possible that you don't realize that you are connected to infinite intelligence? In fact, you are infinite intelligence. So let's get back to that giant leap in evolution. I believe that the path forward lies in our ability to cooperate instead of to compete. But just before looking forward, let's look backwards for a second. As modern society evolved, we saw the paradigms of religion, politics, philosophy, and science jockey for the foundational basis of how we view the world. 
given the globalization that's occurred over the last couple of centuries, many of those beliefs are woven into the fabric of our central beliefs, an ensemble of practical experience that guides our decision-making every moment of every day. And none of it is wrong. It's simply where we're at. It's our current level of awareness as a civilization. But if we accept the notion of interconnectedness, which in turn leads to the realization of infinite intelligence, then we may have an evolving belief system that, when overlaid with our experience, will radically alter how we think, how we act, and what becomes of us as a civilization. If you haven't already figured it out by listening to some of my other episodes, I delight in science. And in my opinion, one of the coolest advancements in science that's caught my eye these days is the work that's being done in quantum physics. Although I could point to countless other scientific discoveries that are driving innovation, for me, what we're discovering about the nature of subatomic particles is going to revolutionize our understanding of just how interconnected everything is in the universe. Actually, I've got a pretty cool story for you. Did you know that in 2019, the standard weight of a kilogram was changed? And yeah, that's right. It was changed. The unit of weight, known as the kilogram, used to be based on a 130-year-old platinum iridium cylinder that was safeguarded in some room somewhere in France. Makes sense, right? Mm, okay. But today, a kilogram is a truth that's based on the fundamental relationship between mass and energy. Now, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but the most important part of what I just said is the part about the relationship between mass and energy, relationship being the most important word there. You see, for centuries, our civilization, particularly Western civilization, has largely isolated systems in order to make sense of them. Is it any wonder that there are so many gaps in knowledge as to how the universe functions? In much the same way that we can take a new smartphone apart to understand how the display, the battery, the SOC, the memory and storage, the modems, the camera, and the sensors work, we've largely done that across all disciplines of science instead of examining the relationships across scientific disciplines. They've become so separate that we largely fail to realize anymore that all science disciplines are, in fact, connected. As we begin to develop a broader understanding of just how interconnected all sciences truly are, we will come to a broader understanding of how the bigger picture actually works. Oh, and I suppose I should also point out that somewhat recently we got our first image of entanglement also known as Einstein's spooky action at a distance. And no, I'm not making that up. What we were able to see is that particles can remain connected in spite of being great distances apart and replicate each other's movements, again, at great distances. So I ask you, is it possible that everything is connected? If what we're learning these days through rigorous experimentation gets accepted by the institutions that preserve standard theories for reasons I'm not going to go into in this episode, and as I believe they will, then we will come to an understanding that we are all connected. It's precisely this type of foundational realization that will allow us to take what we've learned over the previous centuries and accelerate our understanding of the universe in such a way that a paradigm shift in consciousness is inevitable. 
So this takes us back to the thesis of this particular episode that cooperation, rather than competition, is going to be the solution to transforming society and our prospects as a civilization. Let's set some foundational examples. It seems to me that Darwin's theory of evolution is misinterpreted by many as being about a competition for survival, when in my opinion it's more about cooperation for survival. For certain, the propagation of the best genes is at play in evolving a species, but the entire population of a species is integral in ensuring its survival as well. Examined through the lens of interconnectedness, I love the example that Douglas Rushkoff provides in his book, Team Human. He says that a bird develops a beak which lets it feed on some part of a plant that other birds can't reach. This introduces diversity into the population's diet, reducing the strain on a particular food supply and leading to more for all. What of the poor plant, you ask? The birds, much like the bees, are helping the plant by spreading its seeds after eating its fruit. What a cool quote, hey? In Rushkoff's theory, you can see how there is an interconnectedness between not only a species of bird, but of all other birds, and even the floral system, which is connected to yet other species, and so on. Connectedness is what I'm highlighting here. In much the same way that birds' beaks have evolved, so too has our collective intellect as a human species, our physical capabilities, and our capacity to love. These advancements are a blessing to the entire population, even if many don't ever realize them. Funny enough, when you stop to think about the four-minute mile, a feat that was deemed impossible prior to Roger Bannister's monumental accomplishment, you probably realize that his achievement was and is a human achievement for all to experience. Think about that for a second. If you were teaching a course on human milestones, and I pardon the pun, you'd say to your students that we, as humans, are capable of pushing the bounds of our physical abilities, and we can see that in the great achievement of the four-minute mile. It's a we accomplishment, isn't it? The knowledge that it's doable, that it's been done, and that we as a species can do it again is ours forever. We have the knowledge of what we're capable of achieving. Bannister's accomplishment, in fact, becomes part of the human consciousness. This is precisely why the compartmentalization of science is not a problem, as you may assume I would think. Sure, in my opinion, it's prevented us from seeing the totality of things, but it served us really well until now. These isolated understandings, these fragmented bits of knowledge are coming together at such a pace that every day we're uncovering greater knowledge. And it's my belief that we will continue seeing the collaboration of science disciplines and that the demystification of science through channels such as the internet and specifically YouTube will allow the blending of infinite intelligence and existing knowledge, particularly of the scientific variety. This in turn will lead to discoveries that will radically change our perception of the world and ultimately the universe. When it comes to appreciating the wonders of our Earth, we've been forced to examine them, among other ways, through the lens of destruction and contamination. This is part of our process, and it's brought us to a critical point in our civilization's existence from which we will evolve. 
As painful as it sounds, the recent George Floyd murder serves as a massive realizational moment in which our collective consciousness is better understanding that hate, racial divide, intolerance, suspicion, judgment, and old beliefs no longer serve us. With every injustice, every disaster, every experience we encounter, beautiful or painful, we are learning and we're on the precipice of learning that we are all connected. When we hurt others, we hurt ourselves. When we take more than what we need, we hurt ourselves. When we dishonor ourselves and know what we're doing doesn't compute anymore, then we're hurting the entire population, the entire planet, and ultimately the universe. And you know what? None of this is a problem. It's the solution staring us right in the face. It's the mirror reflecting what we've always known but had lost. There's enough of everything to go around. There's enough water. There's enough food. There's enough natural resources. There's enough energy. And there's enough love. And I'm just talking about the planet for a moment. If we zoom out and look at the universe, it's filled with resources. The universe is so resource abundant that we need not ever think that there is a scarcity of anything, whether material or spiritual. It's simply up to us as a species to decide that scarcity mentality is redundant. In the coming years, this fusion of infinite intelligence to our accumulated knowledge as a civilization will spawn new discoveries that will necessarily shift our perception of what it is to exist when the worry of survival is no longer the driving force in our motivations. It will be science and spirit that enable this paradigm shift in thinking, which will allow us to take the next gigantic step in our evolution. In fact, it's unfolding right now as it has been throughout our civilization's existence. Its pace has been deliberate as we've ventured onto highways of discovery, dead-end alleys of experience, and soon to a universal network that will defy any concept we have of how we obtain information. Of course, everything I've just discussed is but one of the ways that we will evolve as a species. There are infinite amounts of ways that we are progressing, learning, and growing. But to circle back to the very title of this episode, there's no question in my mind that no matter the road, no matter the vehicle of realization, there is a power that connects everything. That power is the source from which everything flows, and when we rediscover that we are all part of that power, that everything is connected, we will be the better for it. Hey, thanks for listening today. I appreciate you.